All right, turn to Matthew chapter 2 at verse 1. Matthew's purpose in writing his book we know as Matthew is to set forth the Christ as the promised king of Israel. So there's a close connection between the first chapter, which is the genealogy and the Lord speaking to Joseph, you shall name his name Jesus, Emmanuel, and so on, between that in which we realize by that he deserves royal honor, particularly because of his genealogy with David. Then the second chapter, especially the beginning of it, we find that he receives that honor. And that's what we're going to look at tonight in this account of the mysterious visitors from the east. I'd like to read the first eight verses. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Several years ago, there was an ocean liner with the name of Marine Phoenix. And it was sailing from North America, going to Australia. And it just happened that on December 24th, just as it was ending at midnight, they crossed the international date line, so that by the time they crossed the date line, it was December 26th. December 24th, date line, December 26th, and they missed December 25th. Our theme tonight is missing Christmas. Maybe not like that, but in another way. Now, of course, we are aware of of the several people revealed to us in Scripture that did not miss the birth of Christ. Joseph and Mary, obviously. Uh, The shepherds, they were very much aware of that. Um, Even the animals in the manger area, they were aware that something was going on there. But several did miss it, and we find some of them here in this passage that I just read for you a moment ago. Verse 1 introduces us to uh, the wise men. Greek word is magi, the magi, the weak, the uh, wise men. Surely the strangest characters in the Christmas narrative. Who were they? How many were there? Were they kings? Were they riding camels? Most of our conceptions of the wise men come from Christmas cards, actually. In the 6th century, even names were given to them. Gaspar, Balthazar, and, wait for it, Melchor. (laughs) Well, really, Melchior. 
M-E-L-C-H-O-I-R, I-O-R, yeah. And so you sense a certain wisdom coming from me from time to time. I have good genes. They go all the way back to the wise men. They seem to materialize out of nowhere. They show up suddenly. They present their gifts. Then they disappear off the scene. They come from the east. That gives us at least a little bit of a clue where they came from. But was it Persia? Was it Arabia? Some even say it might be India, further away. Probably they were astrologers from the Persia or Arabia area. This would mean a cultural background of pagan superstition, of astrology, magic of various kinds. In their heathen wisdom, they were accustomed to calculating the destiny of men from the course of the stars. Well, we know all that about that even in the 21st century. A lot of people involved in astrology, and they, they want to have their fortune read. By the way, I'm a Pisces, so if you pick up any information for the new year of Pisces, let me know, so I know what to expect in 2020. Anyway, this stuff's still around, and the wise men, whoever they were, were quite involved in about this kind of stuff. Astronomers and magicians are mentioned several times in Daniel. Now, this is important, because the question is, where in the world did they ever get the idea that the king of the Jews was to be born in Bethlehem? Well, during the captivity, when Nebuchadnezzar came in and captured Judea and took them into bondage in Babylon, uh, they took with them their scriptures, understanding the scriptures of the day, and uh, their faith in Jehovah, and the promises of the coming Messiah. Along the way, these men undoubtedly picked up some of that information, especially from Daniel. Um, so this is an important clue of how they could have known about the birth of, of Jesus in Bethlehem. They came to Jerusalem, right at the very end of verse number 1. Now, probably that was a very imposing sight when they arrived there. Um, a great deal of pomp and, and show. Uh, there probably were more than just three. Nowhere in the scriptures to say there were just three wise men. We probably got that from the fact there were three different gifts presented. But uh, they could have had even like a small army with them, a whole entourage to make this somewhat dangerous journey from the Persia to, to the east, coming around the Fertile Crescent and then dropping down into the land of Palestine all the way down to uh, Judea. And so they probably were several people along with them. Uh, they would capture attention not only by their size, but their dress, which would be different than what the people of uh, Judea were wearing there. Um, perhaps they were riding on steeds of Arabian horses. And that would have looked very impressive indeed. Now, Rome was quite concerned about anything east of their empire. Their empire kind of ended there at Judea and the Jordan River. On the other side was the Parthian Empire. It was the Parthian Empire. I'm not going to get into that, but... Uh, Rome was always keeping an eye on them, and they appreciated the fact that down south, Judea was a little buffer against any invasion by the Parthenians. Rome, you know, primarily looked not eastward, not southward, except along the north coast of Africa, the continent of Africa. They mainly were looking north and west in their empire. Um, okay. So here they come into Jerusalem, this major city of the day in that particular part of town. Um, 
And they come asking a, a question. But before we look at the question, which is in verse 2, that where is he who was born king of the Jews? You have reference to this star. What was the star? Was it a conjunction of planets? That's been uh, Jupiter and whatever got, kind of got together and they, they sort of looked like it was one big star there. That's been suggested. Uh, another suggestion, it was a comet. Some even say, was it even a star as we think of a star? Could it not have been some kind of an extraordinary light? We think of a Shekinah glory in which the Lord, through a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, uh, manifested himself in that way. So this pillar of fire, especially by night, would be capture the people of Israel and realize God is with us there. So that could be something along like that. We know earlier in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 9 of the account, that the angels appeared, appeared to the shepherds and glory shone round about them. So the star may not be a star, although I'm not necessarily arguing for that, but it could just be some kind of light, and we really don't know exactly what it was, except it was probably some kind of supernatural, luminous experience that caught the attention in their studying the stars and whatever was happening here, and they related it to Daniel, uh, they related it to Numbers 24:17, which speaks about a star coming out of Jacob and a scepter coming out of Israel. And possibly they drew that, that connection uh, there. But we're going to focus mainly on them coming in to uh, Jerusalem and what they found when they, uh, when they got there. What did they see? They saw nothing that gave any evidence of the birth of of a baby in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was only a six, what, six, seven miles or so south of Jerusalem. So it was in the general Jerusalem area. They come walking in. They look around. The, the people are walking in the streets, just like normally of any other city, even though Jerusalem was a, a major city. There was no particular excitement in the air. There was no sign that said, it's a boy. <laughs> Nothing to give any attention to it whatsoever. Um, no large groups of people, maybe they found a large group of people moving in a certain direction, that, well, let's follow them. Nothing like that. Herod's royal palace sat in its usual dignified position. The expression on the Roman soldiers who were guarding the streets, nothing there. So they thought, well, maybe we ought to ask some, some, name, name, some, ask some people here. And so they uh, go to a merchant selling his wares. And they say, where is he who's born king of the Jews? We want to worship him. And the merchant probably, they said, I'm, I'm too busy with my own business here. I have no idea what that's about. They go to a woman carrying a vase on her head. Could you tell us where he was born king of the Jews? And born in Bethlehem. And she looks and says, I don't know. I've been too busy getting water and supplies for my family. Hmm. Well, how about that little boy over there playing with his dog? Maybe he knows. Hey, little boy, do you know where the new king of the Jews is? The little boy looks and says, I don't know. I'm just a kid. I don't know that. Never heard about it. They go to one of those soldiers and ask the question. And probably the soldier didn't even answer him. Just kind of looked at him with a strange look. The soldier didn't know anything about it. So the wise men, they were very puzzled by this. This, seemed to, this was a great event. They made this long journey to come to Jerusalem to worship this one, and no one seems to know anything about it, as if 
they missed it entirely. And certainly in a way, they did. But the one person that comes to our attention here is Herod the king. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. When, or having heard this, when word got to him, there's a new king of the Jews. There's these guys that have come from far east, and they're asking where the new king is. You can imagine what Herod thought of that. He was known as Herod the Great, and he was great in his cunning. He was great in his uh, terrible things that he did. Uh, so it's a perfect description of this man that he, we can understand why he was troubled. He even had members of his own family killed because he was afraid they were going to take over his kingship. Herod the Great, cruel, ruthless, already had killed many people due to jealousy. So the fact that this new king, and here's another thing, the fact that this new king had been born was especially bothersome. And by the way, the word troubled here means very severely agitated, shaken, perplexed, disturbed, terrified. You've all seen a washing, a huge washing machine at the laundromat. And that thing gets going and it starts running back and forth and twisting and turning. That's the word, the idea of the word. Herod was really upset at this because if a new king had been born, that was quite different than his position. He had been appointed by the Roman government to be down there as the king. He was under their thumb. But for somebody to be born, possibly in the line of David, that was very troublesome indeed. So he missed the the birth of Christ. Knew nothing about it. Notice what verse 3 also says. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, generally speaking, throughout the town of Jerusalem, they were very upset, but for a different reason, I think. They are upset because what is King Herod going to do when he finds out about this? He could get very angry. He could take it out on us. That would be one concern they would have. If a new king were to come, the people feared a bloody insurrection and an upheaval going on in the city. Their, Their homes would be torn apart. Their city would be torn apart. But another reason why I think all Jerusalem was troubled and why they missed it was they were busy people. They had their businesses to run. They had um, family responsibilities, various feasts and festivals they had to take care of. They're, they're busy. They had things to do. And they just weren't aware of any particular new baby boy as a king being born. They had missed it as well. Alfred Edersheim, the uh, Jewish uh, Christian writer, said that, said that Jerusalem at this time was a place of luxury, frivolity, immorality, despite the evidence of poverty, misery, and bondage all around them. A savior was the very last thing Jerusalem wanted. They wanted to be left alone. Things were even keel. Herod was a cruel guy, but as long as he was happy, we're okay. Let's just... Let's just live with it. For a new king to come in, especially as we have heard he's a king of righteousness. Boy, that doesn't sound too good. We kind of like our lifestyle. We like what we're doing. 
So these were reasons why they were troubled, but they were troubled because they didn't know anything about the birth of Jesus either. Another group that knew very little about it were the chief priests and scribes in verse 4. Herod called them together, and uh, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, these men were not caught completely off guard. They were aware, if nothing else, of Micah 5.2, which is quoted for you there in verse 6. They knew that this Christ, this Messiah, was to be born in Bethlehem, but it had been put so far out of their minds that they weren't even aware that it had happened. But if it was going to happen, they knew at least where it was going to happen. And thankfully, wow, at least we can tell Herod that. And so they told him. They said, uh, your royal highness, uh, the answer is in Bethlehem of Judea. Because there's a writing by a prophet Micah who said that that's where this new king was to be born. We think that's the connection there. But as far as we know from the text, they didn't rush down there to see if it was true. They just simply reported it to Herod. And so they also missed the birth of Christ, even though they had that information right in front of them. The wise men would have fared much better if they had gone to who? The shepherds. They didn't know to go to them. But if they could have interviewed the shepherds, they would have got an earful from them about the birth of of Jesus Christ. But all they said, the chief priests and, and priests and scribes were, he's down there in Bethlehem someplace, I guess. These people want, if you want to tell them to go down there, that's the place to look for him. Now, isn't it quite remarkable that so many at that time missed the birth of Christ? Have you ever thought about that? Of all the prophecies given to the Jewish people, they had their scriptures. They had their chief priests, their scribes who interpreted the law and the scriptures. You would think there would be more people aware of it, alert to it, that Christ, just about this time, as Daniel had prophesied, would be born so many years after the return from the captivity in Babylon. Now, it's easy for us to look back and shake our heads and say, yeah, but I don't understand that. They had all the Old Testament preparation. It should have been ready. But you see, that's what sin does to individuals and to nations and to religions. Clouds their minds. They're incapable of receiving or having much interest in the good news of the birth of Christ. So much faulty teaching and ideas had infiltrated Israel of that day. There were few who expected a virgin of all kinds of women to bring forth a baby of this significance. Emmanuel? What do you mean, God with us? God's always with us. We are God's people. Jehovah is our God. So Emmanuel was not a name for many that really meant that much. They certainly weren't looking for a personal redeemer to take care of their sinful lives. The gospel had really not taken root. The Old Testament gospel had really not taken root in Israel at this time. Great spiritual darkness in the land. And so no wonder when the wise men came and asked the question nobody knew, well, now we can understand. Eventually they got down to Bethlehem, as you know, as the story goes on, of course. And that's when the, the ignorance really kicked in. 
the ignorance of Israel. Drop down in the second chapter to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, you remember they had been warned uh, there, and, and Joseph had been warned in a dream, take the young child, uh, after they had brought their gifts. And then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Talk about being missing Christmas, not knowing what it was all about. Herod tried to take care of it in his own usual cruel way. We talked this morning about the constant op- op- opposition that would come to Jesus in his public ministry. So that would happen there as a result of the ignorance of Israel at this time. Um, the crucifixion itself. And remember when the crucifixion is described in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it indicates all Israel, is, all Jerusalem was involved in this. Not every single individual, but there is a great number of people in Jerusalem. Crucify him, crucify him. We want to get rid of him. That ignorance was still there. John 1.11 says, He came to his own, his own received him not. The beginning of Jesus' ministry, he went to his hometown of Nazareth. They listened to him for a while, and it ended with them trying to push him off a cliff and kill him. There he was, the Son of God, in human flesh, right, right in their midst. And they refused him. The Magi will be like those men of Nineveh who are going to rise up in judgment and condemn those who, despite their privilege of much greater light, did not receive the promised Messiah and bow to his reign. Now, in our day, the rejection... Let me back up here. In our day, there was tremendous ignorance about the birth of Christ. They know he was born. Even in our day, uh, with all that's going on, they have some semblance of the idea. We sing about Jesus born in Bethlehem because yeah, he, probably, he probably existed. Some people deny that he ever existed, but they're a very small minority. Most acknowledge Jesus was born, but they're very ignorant of who he was. Jesus is a, is a threat to one's career, one's plans, one's values, one's morals. John writes in the third chapter, after the very famous or familiar verse 16, starting at verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. People still miss the significance of Christmas simply because their hearts are not ready to receive that truth. So be thankful to the Lord if you're here tonight and you have received it, it's because God has been good to you and has opened up your heart to that truth. So many people don't understand it and surely do not believe it. Sinning doesn't bother them, the thought of sin. Talk about final judgment, talk about eternal hell, just goes over their, their uh, heads. Not particularly interested, doesn't particularly bother them at all. And they miss Christmas. There are many professing Christians today. I say professing because 
it's, it's all in the head. They've got the head knowledge. They know they can answer catechism questions. They can recite Bible verses. They know about Bible stories. They can get into argumentation about Christian things. But it's not in their hearts. It's not in their lives. There's no love for the Lord. There's no appreciation for Jesus and what he has done for them. And so Christmas comes and Christmas goes and they miss Christmas in that sense. Their lives are still the same. What a mess has been made of what we call the Christmas holiday. Um, there's so much out there. The commercialism, of course, we're aware of that. Um, and what's happened there. A lot of our people in our country are very busy, like the people in Jerusalem. They had things to do, families, jobs, uh, emergencies that arose, earning a living, traveling, whatever it might be. And they're so wrapped up in all these things that they can't even take a moment, maybe even just to go to church, to hear a message about the birth of Christ. And they miss Christmas. I mentioned, or I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned this morning uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, those first two sections of chapter 8. Who was Jesus? There's the answer right there, those first two sections. An absolutely unique person who accomplished something that we need. Now, December 25th is almost here. It will be on Wednesday. And I'd like to make a, a couple of suggestions to you of how to make it more meaningful. In a sense, you're not missing Christmas because you're here tonight. Others were here this morning. They have heard the message of the Word of God. They've sung about Christ's birth. So in that sense, they haven't missed it. But in a sense, it's, it, it's easy for us to really miss it by not focusing on what Jesus did for me, making it personal. What did Jesus do for, what does this birth have to do with me? And so I'd urge you somewhere along the line uh, to either reread the account in the Bible or turn to chapter 8 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, go through that a little more carefully, and ponder that, relate it to your life. Um, I brought a couple of little books with me to illustrate something that I find helpful at Christmas time. There are all kinds of little booklets about Christmas written by reputable people. And two that have come to my mind are The Facts of Christmas. This is from the Heaven and Home Hour. This came out many years ago. I think my mother had this and I inherited it. And I saw it up there a week or so ago and I thought, you know, I don't think I've ever read that. So I'm kind of going through that. It's very interesting facts about Christmas there. This is a new book on our book table at Medford Church called Was Jesus Really Born of a Virgin by Brandon Crow. And Mr. Crow is a, a graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary in uh, Mississippi, assistant professor of New Testament at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. He's a reputable guy. Just a little booklet. If you could pick up something like that at a Bible bookstore or go through your own library, maybe there's some little booklet. Not, some, not Machen's Virgin Birth of Christ. <laughs> That's a wonderful book, but that, that takes you a while to wade through that one. Something simple that you can get off by yourself somewhere and just think about Jesus' birth, born for me, that he might be my Savior, my Lord. And don't forget, just take a, the a theological, a systematic theology book and turn to the section on the virgin birth of Christ. 
And, and look at that. So when December 26 dawns, I trust you will be rejoicing with worshiping the Lord in your heart. And you won't wake up Thursday morning and think to yourself, you know, I did go to church. I sang some songs. In a certain sense, I think I missed Christmas. Hmm. Would you pray with me? Father, we know that December 25th is not mentioned in Scripture. It's simply a date on the calendar, but around that time, the church does gather together its thoughts on the birth of your son. What a wonderful, mysterious event. Born of a virgin, remaining God, he became man. Mysterious. We can't fully understand it. Yet there's enough there for us to be humbled in your presence. We pray, Lord, that at this Christmas time, we would take some important moments to thank you for giving us Jesus, making it very personal in our own lives. Would you dismiss us with your blessing as we go from here? Help us to have a good week. We pray for safety. We pray for spiritual growth. We pray for uh, blessings as we gather with family and friends. And as we return again to this place to worship you, we are so grateful to have this church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.